The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. We turn this morning to the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 19, and we read from verse 25 through 37. Let us hear God's word. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. May God bless to us his word. In thinking about the Lord's sayings from the cross, we necessarily have to focus our attention on him and on him dying. There is a danger in doing that for humans who are removed from the scene, even those who are Christians. Even with the best motives, the danger is that we sentimentalize uh, what he said. We are thinking of dying after all, and on a cross, and of Jesus dying on a cross. That being so, we should be more grief-stricken shouldn't we? Or more morally outraged that such should ever have taken place. And so what we find ourselves doing almost instinctively is to make ourselves feel more emotionally affected by the incident and the way in which it is recorded. And there lies the danger, of course, because sentimentalism can be the opponent of Christian truth and its proper effect. It would be salutary for us to recall how on his way to Golgotha, Jesus passed by several women from the city of Jerusalem who bewailed and lamented him. His response to them doubtless surprised them. Weep not for me, he said, but weep for yourselves and for your children. They were unaware of the devastating consequences that would result from the rejection of the Messiah of God and the judgment that would inevitably follow. That being so, we must remember who he is and why he died. 
and not merely think in human terms, even the highest terms of which human beings are capable of thinking. That means that we must think of Christian doctrine, doctrine that reminds us of who he was and why he died. Doctrine is vital for true devotion. It's sobering, light, deals with superficial human sentiment. But there's a danger about doctrine too. And it is that we will merely think in a theoretical way uh, so that the truth will have a depersonalizing effect. We therefore are hemmed in by two dangers, sentimentalism and that which is or that which becomes doctrinaire thinking. We must remember that it was the Son of God who was dying and that he was dying because he loved sinners, he loved you and he gave himself for you and me. Now, the thought may be crossing your minds as to why we have begun our consideration of this saying of our Lord's in the way in which we have. And the answer is, that what we have said is particularly relevant to the saying before us, more relevant to this saying, perhaps, than to any of the other six. Because in this third saying of the Lord Jesus Christ, he addresses his mother, Mary. John, his disciple, enters into the saying merely as part of that. And the great danger, of course, is that, confronted with this saying, we major on the filial-maternal relationship, or even the maternal-filial relationship, and think of it in a purely human way. And that is what liberalism has done for years. In doing so, it has forgotten that Jesus was the Son of God from all eternity and that the relationship that he had with Mary, unique and necessary, though it was, was part and parcel of the great purpose for which he entered into the world. The gospel is about a filial paternal relationship, not a filial maternal one, it is as vital for females as males. And in this saying, we need to remember Jesus, the Son of God, is being crucified and that he is speaking about his earthly mother. So what we can say by way of an approach to this saying is the following, that in saying, woman, behold your son, and following it up with, behold your mother, Jesus is not deifying 
his mother. But he does dignify her. He does not deify his mother, but he does dignify her. First of all, Jesus does not deify Mary, his mother. It has to be noted that while Jesus acknowledged Mary, he did not address her as his mother. When he uses the noun mother, he is speaking to John about her and about a relationship that he, by his declaration, is about to bring into being rather than the physical relationship which he sustained with her. That is a hard fact. He did not address Mary as mother, but as woman. And while uh, woman is not equivalent to mother, it isn't a term of disrespect or disdain, much less uh, it is a refer much more, I'm sorry, it is an expression of respect and regard equivalent to mom or something of that sort. But this hard fact that Jesus does not address Mary as his mother has either been totally missed or been effectively marginalized. Roman Catholic scholars, for example, have done the latter. Uh, recent ones have been ready to admit that Jesus does not address Mary as mother. But having admitted the fact, they then proceed to smuggle in via their traditions and devotional ex exercises the very fact that they have excluded. And Protestant exegetes perhaps blindsided by the frank admission of Roman Catholic scholars, tend to soften uh, their reaction to Roman Catholic tradition and mariolatry, and even to use the undoubted fact that John uh, employs symbolism in his gospel uh, to interpret what he says on this occasion as if he were elevating Mary. The Roman Catholic Church speaks of her as Queen of Heaven or co-mediatrix. Protestants can talk about her as another Eve and John as another Adam. In the 5th century, a declaration that referred to Mary as Theotokos or Bearer of God uh, that needs to be understood properly. What it meant, what was meant by it, was not uh, to speak of Mary in any honorific way, uh, but rather to recognize Jesus as being truly human, born of her. It is a declaration intended to endorse the humanity of Jesus 
rather than to elevate Mary as if she were anything more than human. And we should note that Mary went with John. John didn't go with Mary. The end of the little paragraph that we're considering says, from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home rather than that he went to hers. So clearly Jesus does not deify Mary, but he does dignify her. He does dignify her. There were other women present at the foot of the cross. Uh, Several are mentioned here in verse 25. There is some discussion as to how many exactly there were. Uh, But Mark records in chapter 15, verse 40, that there were even more women from Galilee who came to Jerusalem on this occasion. And one of those is a woman of significance, Mary Magdalene. Luke chapter 8, verse 2 records uh, the transformation uh, that Jesus effected in Mary and how she consequently would have been devoted to him. The fact that there were others present indicates the significance of what we are considering because Jesus singled out Mary, his mother, for special attention. Doubtless she was a widow by this time and uh, the brothers of Jesus were not yet believers in him. And so Jesus had a special regard for her. And now he wants someone to continue that regard, that love, that care. And who better than the disciple whom he loved? The disciple who knew better than others how much Jesus loved. And Jesus knew that John would love Mary as he himself had done. And so he says to John, He says, first to Mary, woman, behold your son, referring to John, of course, not to himself. And to John, behold your mother. And a new relationship was brought into being by that word of the Savior. An anticipation of the care that widows are to receive in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as Paul wrote in Timothy. So by this word which is expressive of care, uh, what we see is a filial spirit. The fifth commandment being honored in his last hours. Honor your father and your mother. In his life, God's business had come first. And Jesus at 12, Jesus at 12 was about his father's business. 
in the temple and had to remind his earthly parents who were anxious on his account of that fact. But at the end of that incident, he went with them and was subject to them. Here then is a filial spirit manifested, but more than a human filial spirit. Here is not just the love of a son to Mary, his mother, but here is the love of God's son incarnate toward her. Here is the love of Jehovah, which the Old Testament tells us has a special regard and place for the fatherless and for the widow. In receiving John as a newfound son, she was receiving the love of God's own son. And in this new relationship, the hour in which his messianic glory would be consummated, a new humanity is being brought into being, a new set of relationships in which there is no more suffering, no more loneliness, no more pain, no more tears, no more death. The Lord Jesus Christ has that love, not only for his mother, but for each and every one who trusts him. And we, with her, and all who do so, will one day be forever with the Lord. Amen. Copyright 2007 Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.